The Luminous Mind, episode 14. I truly believe that we're wired to learn naturally. And it happens just as we breathe every day, every moment. It's part of our biological function. Benjamin Franklin once said, Do not curse the darkness, rather light a candle instead. If you're ready to set your mind on fire, then prepare yourself for the luminous mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's fire starter is Lainey Liberty. Lainey is a recovering branding expert whose 18-year career once focused on creating campaigns for green, eco-business, nonprofit, and conscientious business. In 2008, California's economy took a turn and Lainey decided to be the change instead of a victim. She and her nine-year-old son, Miro, began the process of redesigning their lives with the dream of spending stress-free quality time together. After closing her business, selling and giving away all their possessions, the pair hit the road for a permanent adventure in the mid-2009. Five and a half years, 15 countries, and many personal changes later, Lainey and Miro continue to slowly travel around the globe, living an inspired, possession-free lifestyle, volunteering, and living naturally. They are both following their interests on the road as the planet has been transformed into their classroom. Often you will hear Lainey say, we are blessed to be accidental unschoolers and has become an advocate for life learning at any age. In fact, Lainey and Miro have taken their philosophy to heart and producing a series of teen-oriented retreats in Latin America called Project World School. Welcome, Lainey. And I'm so excited to have you on, Lainey. This is so fun. Yay, thank I, you so much for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. I actually follow Lainey on Twitter, and I just am so intrigued by your lifestyle and what you're doing with your son. Would you go ahead and kind of tell us a little bit more about how you came about doing this with your son. Sure. Um, well, we, as, as you said in the intro, we left the United States in 2009 and Miro was 10, just, he had just turned 10 when we left, but we had made the decision together when he was nine and we were going to travel for one year and put our backpack on and not adhere to any schedule, any plans, and just go based on inspiration. And that's what we did. And I knew intuitively we'd encounter so many things that my son could not get a better education by going to fifth grade, which is the grade he was about ready to enter into. So we started to travel and we fell in love with the lifestyle. And we discovered that we were learning so much. And it wasn't just my son who, like I said, was 10 at the time, was learning. We were learning together. We started to process information and become inspired by one another's perspectives and, and all of the things that were happening outside of ourselves turned into lessons that we took inside of ourselves. And, and the inspiration was the driving force behind our combined learning. And it was incredible. So um, eight months in, into, I'm sorry, our puppy's going nuts. <laughs> eight months into our travels, 
my son and I had a frank conversation about going back to the States and picking up our conventional life. And we both admitted that neither of us wanted to do that. So we didn't. But that was a really critical point for me because I knew intuitively for one year, I didn't have to worry about homeschool curriculum. I didn't have to worry about anything other than being present with my son, traveling and being inspired. But once we decided to transform the lifestyle into an indefinite lifestyle, I had to address education. As a single parent, I had never considered educating my son in the home. I always just believed that it was somebody else's job to educate my child, and I put him into traditional schools, and I never questioned that there was another way. But at that point, as we were you know, eight months into our travel and looking ahead to turn this into an indefinite lifestyle, my job as a parent was to figure out how we were going to address education. And it was that moment that I discovered something called unschooling. And apparently it was a pretty huge movement in the United States, Canada, and Australia already. And I had never been exposed to this as an idea. But what I realized was we were doing it already. And what I realized on top of that was it was working. So not only was my son learning naturally through the engagement of travel and being in the world, I was learning too, and I discovered that I was a lifelong learner. So that'll give you a little bit of our background. We just started our sixth year of um, living outside of the States, and that nine-year-old little boy is almost a 16-year-old man. So So what a paradigm shift. I was telling Lainey before we started recording that I've always just been intrigued by unschooling because I do see it as a a viable educational option because, you know, when I turn my kids loose in the afternoon, they become so creative and do so many wonderful things just completely on their own, just with their own passion and their own drive. So I definitely support you. But how did you begin to decide how this philosophy was going to become part of your life? I mean, how did you kind of shift to that, that paradigm? I would have never, living in the United States, I would have never said, oh, this sounds interesting. Let's do it. But I think because I discovered that there was a name for what we were doing And I had already experienced it. And I had already bought into knowing intuitively that one year of travel would have provided a greater education than fifth grade ever could. I knew that. It wasn't, I didn't have this de-schooling process. I didn't have this big jump into a paradigm that was so outside of the norm because we were already doing it. Yeah. And I, I've, I've spoken, you know, over the past years, I've spoken to many parents who ask me the very same question, and I don't have an actual answer on how somebody can consciously move into that space. You know, every person has a lot of de-schooling. I mean, that word means... Uh, comfortably stepping out of a paradigm of believing that learning only happens when somebody 
teaches you. And education is only valid if you're tested on the knowledge that you've acquired. Once we release those ideas, those particular paradigms, we get back to the root of what's important, and that's learning. And once you, or once we've discovered that the testing paradigm and the um, regulating and the dictating, you know, what needs to be learned, learning, you know, once that's out of our, our consciousness, out of our way of conducting our lives, learning became fun. And oh, so there was say. no struggle. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, and I truly believe that we're wired to learn naturally. And it happens just as we breathe every day, every moment. It's part of our biological function. So I think creating an environment that supports that, encourages it consciously, you know, then then the learning, you know, the possibilities explode, yeah. you know, there's, there's no regulations. Why don't you tell us like some of the places you've been and maybe a few experiences and stuff. You're in South America right now. Is that correct? Yes, I'm talking and, to you from Ecuador. And well, and even going from Brazil, and going over to to Ecuador, something like that, aren't, isn't that just, I mean, you're already changing languages. And I mean, how do you deal with that? That just seems like a huge thing to overcome. You mean language or culture? Yeah, language and culture. And do you just enjoy it and just go along with it? And <laughs> The thing about travel that is, I mean, this is every traveler, whether you're, you know, a young backpacker or a family traveler or a gap year, it doesn't matter. The secret that they've tapped into is the most remarkable thing. When you travel, you're acutely present and you're you're aware. I mean, we tend to, in conventional life, sort of numb out and we fall into schedules and routines and things become mundane. But when you travel, your senses are always stimulated. You're always aware there's something new to see, something new to do, something new to process. And it's not just the newness, it's the ability or the, not the ability, the experience to just simply be present. So when you encounter a new culture, you know, there's, you know, we take everything in, um, we want to interact, we want to learn more, you know, a culture, a country contains culture and history and, you know, stories about economy and stories about ecology and all these other different worldviews. And because there's contrast from our particular point of view and particular experience, it's not just like, ah, oh, here's another day. It's like, ah, oh, wow, let's notice what's different. Ah, wow, let's notice where the similarities are. Ah, uh, wow, let's see how how a culture addresses problems differently and and let's notice how there's there's apparently different values for different things. That keeps you present. The language thing is a little more <laughs> difficult. Brazil, like you pointed out, is uh, Portuguese. And the only other country in, in Central and South America where we've been spending our time that speaks a different language is Belize. Belize. Thank you. I couldn't think of the name of the country. Thank you, Miro. <laughs> He's sitting right next to me. Belize, which speaks English. So the Spanish language countries has inspired us to pick up a little bit of Spanish on my 
in my case, and over the last five and a half, almost six six years for Miro, he's fluent and oh, he hasn't wow. studied, hasn't opened up a book, you know, to learn Spanish. You know, it just, it was a natural learning because of immersion you learn. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, awesome. I've answered, I've answered your question with a lot of different ideas and I'm sorry if I'm all over the place, no, but that's great. one place you want to focus, please. <laughs> so what are some of the places that you've been? Have you been to every continent or have you stayed mostly in South America? Well, our intention was to travel the world, but we're traveling very, very slowly. We started off in Mexico and we started to head south. So we actually haven't made it to Brazil. The farthest south we've been has been the very north tip of Chile. So we've traveled all through Central America and spent months in each country, totally immersing in the cultures and learning as much as we can. And then, you know, when we're inspired to go to a new country, we do. We actually ended up making Peru our base country for almost three years where we spent two of those years in the Andes, which has been one of the most incredible experiences of our lives. Now, they speak a different language there. They speak Quechua. And the Andean culture is so incredibly unique. I mean, these are the people that live high in the Andes, high high altitude, and they herd llamas, and, you know, they come down, you know, and yeah. integrate with the city people. Not all that often, but it's such a unique culture. Their beliefs align with the star system and their plant, their harvest season aligns with, you know, the changes of, it's the season, but it's, everything's aligned with the stars and their, what they hold sacred are the Apus, which, which in Quechua means mountains. And you, I'm sure you've heard this word before. You've heard the word Pachimama. Uh-huh. Well, that means Mother Earth, and that comes from Quechua, and they give offerings to Pachimama and truly believe that Pachimama is a living, breathing entity that supports them, and so they do everything to honor her. It's it's beautiful to learn about all these different cultures and world beliefs. Oh, it would be so fun. So we talked a little bit before I started recording about the unschoolers' educational philosophy. And you kind of broke it down in different ways that people could be kind of a world schooler, which is what you classify yourself as. Do you want to go back into that and explain it for our audience? Sure. Well, unschooling really is the philosophy of allowing your child to lead their educational path based on their interests. And the parents have a very strong role in their child's education. We don't just say as unschoolers, okay, kid, you know, here's the world, you know, <laughs> study whatever you're interested in. We notice where their interests are and we provide materials or opportunities or mentors or classes based on their own interests. But as unschoolers, we agree we don't push our child into one area because we want them to learn it. So by empowering your child to grow their natural curiosity and to support them by being a fully engaged parent, the paradigm 
is really a partnership paradigm with your child yeah, it's definitely, in terms of their education. It sounds like more family learning too. I mean, you te- you let them lead, but then you join in with them, you know, and Absolutely. you don't just leave them to their devices. You join in and you really study it together. Absolutely. And one of the great things about living in a partnership paradigm with your child or children is that you lead by example. You, as the parent, you know, are invited to follow your interests too and share them with your children, not not in order to teach them, but in order to have a shared experience. And so from it's also an element of social learning. You know, you learn through social interaction and, you know, we'll talk about this in a, a little bit later on, we learn through community as well, and that's a very profound element to learning. But getting back to unschooling and why we call it world schooling, one of the reasons why we identify as being world schoolers, as I just said in the unschooling philosophy, when a child is interested in a certain thing, they pursue their interest and the parent supports them. Well, we do all that. But because we're traveling, we're exposed to things that we didn't know that that we were going to be interested in. So through the outer exposure to new things, that then sparks our inner inspiration and helps us pursue different paths of learning that we may have never had just through exposure to new things. Great. So as you were trying to decide on this educational philosophy, what was some of the best advice that you received? Oh, I don't ask advice. <laughs> <laughs> if was... I would have asked advice, I would have ne- never left yeah, you... the United States. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I think I learn best by being guided by my own inspiration. I've got a really, really good sense of intuition and inspiration. And I know for a fact, not only are we on path and on in our own lives, we have remained safe because we both yeah, also would be tap scary. into, yeah, we tap into our, our instinct. And so, you know, I think trusting yourself, trusting the world, knowing that you feel strongly in a certain philosophy and trusting that will give you the strength to move forward. Yeah. So, yeah, I was thinking about that when you were talking about going, you're going to all these different countries and, and having all your senses fully alive. I know when I've traveled, especially in foreign countries, and I don't know the language and stuff, I'm a lot more uh, conscientious of security around me. You know, I'm making sure that it's a safe situation and stuff. And I would imagine, I mean, that probably has helped you, right? Where you're fully, <laughs> fully awake to what's Absolutely. going on. Absolutely. But I also feel that coming from the United States, we come from a culture of fear. And I don't think that most people are completely conscious of how much fear messaging happens on a daily basis. And stepping outside of those sorts of messages for a period of time we became acutely aware that, you know, wait a minute, everybody said Mexico is filled with thugs and drug dealers and guns and it's not safe. And all we came across were families that were loving and people that wanted to share their 
their culture with us. And these were not the stories that I had been told over and over and over from the United States. Yeah. So yes, we're aware. Yes, we feel like the world is a safe place. And no, we don't put ourselves in in unsafe situations, but we wouldn't do that in the United States either. Yeah. yeah, I definitely agree with you. I do believe in the United States, we're trying to protect ourselves from everything. And we were in Europe and they just crammed all these people onto this bus or something. And I was like, wow, this would totally <laughs> not meet regulations in America. But in other countries, you know, that's how they function. And they're, they're used to that. They're used to being close to people, which in America, we're very distant. You know, <laughs> I had a hard time, like, getting somebody that close to my comfort, you know, <laughs> my inner circle. Because <laughs> Anyway, so. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, so. It's true. Boy, I, I had to chuckle when you said they cram people in um, <laughs> into a bus. You have never experienced this until you've been on a bus in, say, Guatemala or Nicaragua. <laughs> wow. In Peru. My goodness. Yeah. Before we go on, let's take a minute and thank our sponsors. Hey, Firestarters. This is Mark, producer of The Luminous Mind. If you're like me, the thought of going out to the store and shopping is enough to make you want to crawl in a hole and hide. If that's you, then do your shopping online through Amazon. Just go to theluminousmind.net, click on the Amazon link, and shop away. Also, most of the books and resources that Rebecca and her guests discuss can be found on our Amazon links as well. Again, if you're like me, you have already accidentally signed up for Amazon Prime. So most of those purchases should have free shipping as well. Good luck! Welcome back. Well, Lainey, so what do you think about socialization? I mean, do you ever worry about your son not being around like kids his own age and all of those type of things? And what do you think it means to be socialized? I mean, you talked about the world community. Right. Well, I think it's a really important question. And I'm going to come at it from two places. First, as world schoolers, we would say that... My son is being exposed to the real world, and within the real world, there are real people. And, you know, he's being exposed to people of all ages, all walks of life, all backgrounds, and that is socialization. But from the second perspective of needing to have a community of his own peers, we realize that that is an important aspect to his development as a as a human being. And so we've traveled back and forth to the States a couple of times to present at conferences. And that's when my son has really found his own community. And that's through teen and schoolers that are having a, a similar kind of educational background. And so what we decided to do was because we never wanted to return to the States to live a conventional lifestyle, we decided that we wanted to invite other teens actually to experience the kind of learning that we do in different places in the world. And that led to our desire to produce retreats for teenagers. And that's what our project, business project, 
Project World School is where we actually create temporary learning communities for teens, and we're also producing a couple for families so they can have these kinds of learning experiences in a community environment. That sounds so fun. <laughs> it's amazing. I bet. So what would you say some of the biggest obstacles that you face have been, and then what have you learned from those? Well, the first biggest lesson that we both learned was our relationship to consumerism. And it's even stronger because I come from a background of working in, as you said, advertising and marketing for almost 20 years. So that was my life. I lived and breathed that. But when we left the States, we had to learn that our relationship to money was very different than the the people in the host countries that we were visiting and that I didn't we didn't have a whole lot of money either because we were at that point living on savings and we needed to make our money last and because I wasn't working and the intention was to travel for a year we had to be on a very strict budget now we boy what we live on in one month and what i earn in one month is just a teeny teeny fraction of what i you know used to earn in fact i earn now in one year what i used to earn in one month in my old life so that's a huge adjustment and so we have really, I mean, not anymore. Now it's just life. But we've really adapted a philosophy of collecting memories instead of things. And so you can't get from where we are now to where we started in, you know, one week. It's it's a process of changing your perspective and how you relate to everything. It wow. it takes it takes some time. Yeah. I would imagine. <laughs> We are addicted in the United States to things and stuff. So I applaud you for that. So what are some successes that you've seen? (laughs) Well, in terms of my son's learning, he has discovered a passion for literature and a passion for writing. And he is a very, very prolific writer. Um, Everybody who reads this writing can't believe that, you know, he, this is coming from a 15-year-old. He's very sophisticated and because he's been encouraged to write and because he's been encouraged to read, you know, it's it's a natural passion. And, and Well, and I, his life experience alone, I mean, that would help mature the writing and, and all of that as well, I would think. Absolutely. So that to me is the thing that gives me the most happiness just to see I didn't discover my passion until I was well into my adult years so yeah (laughs) it's a sad thing isn't it I mean the compulsory education really sloughs it out of you and and I wonder with your son if that's kind of what you've seen is that since he's been taken out of that environment is just allowed that passion for life to just flourish I mean, would you say that that's the truth where he just yes. now just devours everything? Yes, so. I would. I would absolutely shout that from the mountaintop. The sacred <laughs> apus. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So what are some personal habits that made you successful in world schooling? Well, I think the skills that are most useful to us are the skills of being flexible 
And that means flexible with our, you know, our life, you know, with schedules, with expectations, with everything, you know, there's, we don't live on a schedule. And if the wind blows us one way, we go that way. And I think another amazing skill that we've developed together is trust in the world and the knowledge that we feel safe doing what we're doing. Yeah, I think, you know, those two combined flexibility and and the safety allow us to go places, not just countries or cities, but places in our minds to step out of our comfort zone and to explore and to pursue things because that's the spice of life. Well, and when you're learning about all these countries and customs and traditions and stuff, I'm sure you you meet some, I guess, very different, you know, individuals. And so you really do have to really throw a lot of the stuff that you hold on to to kind of toss that and just enjoy learning from them, I would imagine. (laughs) So. Absolutely. It's it's helped us expand our own worldview because we've encountered many others with different worldviews and it helps us expand our understanding of the world. So yes, yes, yeah. just because they're different doesn't mean they're scary, you know. <laughs> exactly. So we've talked about a lot of ways that you feel like you've benefited, but do you kind of want to list those again or give us other ways you feel like you guys have benefited from this style of of learning? Well, I think it's really expanded our idea of global citizenship. It's helped us connect with the world and the people, you know, within it in a way that you know, has broadened our understanding of ourselves. Um, I think that's the number one benefit, really the number one benefit. I think all the other stuff, you know, the exposure to cultures and, and the excitement of traveling and the family time and all the other stuff is also very, very, very important. But I think the legacy that we're creating is a more peaceful planet through having a greater um, understanding of humanity and how we participate in it. No, I love that. I really do think that we could provide a lot more peace to our world if we actually understood our neighbors, you know, not, not necessarily. I mean, we don't even get to know our next door neighbors in America, let alone, let alone our world neighbors. You know, we don't understand um, where they're coming from so many times. And like you said, that can create a lot of when we, we don't have that understanding, it creates a lot of that's where we get war. And, and that would create a lot more peace to really understand, you know, where they're coming from. So I love that you said that. Thank you. Um, what are some long-term goals that you guys have? I mean, you talked about your world school, and maybe you want to expound upon that just a little bit and kind of tell us what you're doing with that. Sure. So we've created this series of temporary learning communities, and our goal is to create them throughout the world, really. We have noticed and experienced that when you get groups of, you know, three, three to 15 people together and you have a shared experience, the learning that comes out of that experience is really, really profound. We bring our own, our own personal worldviews to the experience. We bring our own, our own, um, not just experiences, but our knowledge base 
things that we've read and we relate that to other things in our lives. So after we have a, 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 an experience together and we can talk about it, the information is layered so much richer with all this other information and our, our, our learning becomes a lot more profound. And then also learning within community allows you to practice empathy, all sorts of other things, leadership skills, communication skills. There's an incredible amount of context to the learning besides the actual, you know, quote unquote, academics. Um, it's it's a really deep and profound experience, and so I we feel so strongly that our, the temporary learning communities that we're creating for teens are such a vital part of any homeschooling teens development. I mean, every teen should experience that. We're getting ready to produce our first retreat here in Montanita, Ecuador, where we currently are. And we are focusing this particular retreat around marine biology. We're not far from the Galapagos Islands, but there's such a rich um, marine life in the area. And the cultural learning is incredible here. Um, and then we go back to Peru in June and we produce another retreat month-long retreat surrounding archaeology and history and uh, permaculture and nat natural plants and some of the Andean mysticism. And we actually visit Machu Picchu together and do so much other things. It's incredible. And then the last one that we're producing in uh, Peru this year is going to be a retreat that takes place in the Amazon jungle. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we've got lots of stuff coming up. We actually have the vision of producing one maybe next year in Guatemala and maybe one in Argentina and then moving on to maybe Thailand and India. So we want to provide all these incredible opportunities that for homeschoolers. So, so fun. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. So, so what advice would you give to somebody who wants to kind of start this kind of lifestyle? What would you suggest them doing? Well, world schooling, the, the concept of world schooling is all inclusive. I think the only thing that you have to agree upon is that the world is transformed into your classroom. And however you translate that, make it work. Uh, you could be a homeschooler that uses a set of curriculum. You could be a vacation traveler with your family. You could invite couch surfers from other countries to come stay with you. You are still world schooling. And I would start small and get as much information as you can about the different ways to, to world school, and then find community and support and talk to other families that are engaged in world schooling in different capacities and get inspired. And there's no wrong way of doing it. Oh, that's great. Do you have uh, some resources that, that would help parents get started that you'd like to share? Well, I actually am an admin on a Facebook group, which is really active. It has members from countries around the world. Some are traveling, some are long-term travelers, some are expats, some are living in their home countries and, you know, just inviting people to stay with them. 
and some lived very traditional lives, but still identify with being a world schooler. The name of the group is World Schoolers, believe it or not. <laughs> and I invite anybody to join. It's open to, to everybody. Just start creating community. That would be the first thing. And then the second thing would be just Google World Schoolers and Google and, and Twitter as well. There's a hashtag World Schooling. There's information out there. I'm not the central you know, person for a movement, but I like to facilitate people and support them on their own journeys. So, And if you're a teen or if you want to partake in a family retreat that we produce, visit our website and maybe we can meet you guys that way. And that's projectworldschool.com. Great. So what are some changes you'd like to see in the future? <laughs> well, I would like to see less fear and more compassion towards, you know, one another. That would be if I had a legacy that I wanted to leave in the world, if I somehow contributed to uh, dissolving the fear in the world and creating more compassion and more of a brotherhood, then, then I've left a legacy that I'm proud of. That's great. Well, before we say goodbye, do you have any final parting words? You did give us your contact information, but if you'd like to give it again, that would be great. Sure. Well, I actually blog our experiences, um, a personal blog that people can visit and read about, you know, some of the countries we've been to, my philosophies on unschooling, world schooling, some of the challenges we've had and some of the solutions we've discovered. Our personal blog is Raising Miro. Dot com And like I said, our World Schooling Retreat Series, you can find all, all the information about what we're doing at projectworldschool.com. Great. Thank you so much for joining us, Lainey. Like I said, I was so excited to have you just Thanks commit. Thanks for asking. Yeah, Thank you it's, so much. <laughs> it's such a mind paradigm shift for education, and it, I just think it's so exciting. So thank you. Wish you guys luck. You're so so much. So, Maybe we'll see you out in the world yes, somewhere. Yes, huh? that would be fun. <laughs> well, thanks, Rebecca. Thanks for listening to The Luminous Mind. If you'd like to be a fire starter like Lainey and share your story, go to theluminousmind.net. Click on the fire tab to become a fire starter today. Also, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Google+, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, as well as our podcast in iTunes. Help us light minds on fire and change the paradigm of education. 